With me today is uh, Last Word on Sports Pro Wrestling Editor, Robbie Sutter. How are you, Robbie? Doing well, Scotty. Thanks so much for having me. I know you and I have been talking a little bit about, you know, getting together, talking about Gato Move for a few weeks now. And given the fact that uh, the Chaka Pro first year anniversary is fast approaching, very serendipitous that we talk now. Yes, and I think... Um, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, last night how the AEW tournament has really been a good avenue for people learning about Got to Move that haven't yet. Um, you know, because as you said, uh, only three of the competitors on the Japanese side haven't appeared in it yet. So it's growing like crazy. Yeah. Like, like you said, only three people haven't shown up on Chaka Pro yet. That would be. Um... And I think we should note that by the, by the time this is recording, uh, the season six premiere episode of Chaka Pro already aired, aired last night. Uh, later tonight, episode 92 is going to air. And that's going to be a big one because it's going to feature the Gato Move debut of Aja Kong. So for mm-hmm. those of you that love, you know, old school Joshi wrestling or just Joshi wrestling in general, obviously you're going to want to check that out. Um, but yeah, as far as the AEW Women's Tournament is concerned, um, aside from that, only three women haven't appeared on Chaka Pro yet. That's um, Rin Katakura from Marvelous and TJPW stars uh, Yuka Sakazaki and Maki Ito. Um, the others have appeared in some form or fashion on Chaka Pro. So it's pretty, pretty wild to see these people that I've been watching on YouTube appear on AEW programming. Yeah, and you know it's funny you name those three, and I feel like uh, Maki would fit right in. I really do. Um, yeah. If she if she ever made the jump. Yeah, I would say so because, you know, Chaka Pro is very much a character driven uh, program, mm-hmm. and you know I, I can't say that she'll be able to do everything that we've known her for. I don't think she's going to be able to flip people off or. <laughs> people simps per se but I, I do think that that same sort of charisma would carry over pretty well yeah and i i watched it for the first time it was i don't i don't know what the number it was but it was the one where sheeta was the guest ref and i watched that and the opening match and mm-hmm. i was blown away by what they were able to do in such a setting i was you know it takes a little to get used to and once you like understand it oh man it is some of the best stuff you can watch yeah absolutely it's 
I think one of the things that's worth noting about pro wrestling is that fans have certain expectations when it comes to shows that they watch. It's if I had to make a comparison, I guess I would compare it to comfort food. Doesn't matter if it's fried chicken or mac and cheese or whatever the case may be, right? Right. Certain expectation when you try it, and I think that Chaco Pro and Gato Move at at large really it subverts a lot of those expectations and. That alone, I think, is worth checking out for first-time viewers. And if they stick around, then I think they'll find something very special here because it is very much unlike any other pro wrestling show. It it really is. And, you know, I I have seen it grow more and more, you know, whether it be on my Twitter feed or simply, like, looking at the viewership of the episodes. And now they're entering, I believe you said they started season five or six Uh, last night. Uh, season six uh, yes 91 i i like how they do it in seasons i think that's a creative way or spin on wrestling as well um i know lucha underground also did it in seasons in a different way so i like how they do that yeah same here and i think it gives everybody their own chance to form and tell their own stories like um on like in season one one of the big stories was yuna mizumori who Ironically enough, um, the debut episode of Aja Kong, that's also going to be uh, Yuna Mizumori's third anniversary show, her third year in wrestling. Um, so so in season one, she was a big focal point from a storytelling standpoint. And from there, other wrestlers got a chance to tell their own stories, whether it was, you know, Lulu Pencil's strength, to, uh, quest to grow stronger, or Best Bros uh, vying for the Age of Dream tag team titles. There are certain stories that are being told in Chaco Pro and the, while the matches are great, obviously check them out. Um, I don't think the storytelling aspect should be overlooked. Right. And I think it definitely should, because to me, storytelling is one of my favorite parts of wrestling, um, especially if you grew up uh, as a WWE fan or WCW fan. A lot of that was based on storytelling. And I think that's something I figured out in the um, episode I watched at least so far. Um, I plan to watch many more, but storytelling is the thing. And you've talked about Lulu Pencil many times, and I want to give you a chance to talk about her as we continue on. However, I do want to ask you, how did you get into um, Gato Move? Okay, so I got into Gato Move in late 2019. Um, Beforehand, I had known that Emi Sakura had trained other women to become wrestlers. Um, it had been mentioned a time or two on AEW commentary. And just one night, I was curious. I thought to myself, okay, well, they mentioned this for mentioned this quite a bit. Might as well give it a look and see what's up. And I looked up Emi, and I saw that she headed Gato Move. And I, and I said, okay, let's check them out on YouTube. And... People that have been watching Gato Move pre Chaco Pro will tell you that they had uploaded individual matches on their YouTube channel, meaning that you could sample the product and watch it basically for free if you weren't really looking to watch the full events. So um, from there, I started watching um, the YouTube matches. And to, to say that it wasn't what I expected would be a bit of an understatement. Um, <laughs> for those for those that don't know, the, the big thing about it for most Gatsu Move events is that they don't have a ring. 
Um, most of those events are held in this small venue called Ichigaya Chocolate Square, um, located in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, the best way I could describe it, it's it's almost like the size of a children's classroom. It, it basically, like if it fits 80 people at once, I'd be surprised. It's very much a small, intimate venue, but, you know, it was something that, that took me by surprise. Like, wait, they, they don't wrestle? They don't, they, they don't <laughs> have a ring? Or they, they don't have ropes and turnbuckles? And all these, once again, expectations, right? Um, so I started watching, and at first I was a little taken aback, but I started watching more matches. And I started watching matches, like, every night before bed just to get more of an understanding of what this was. And before I knew it, I was I was getting into it. I understood what was going on. I got the charm of Gato Move. And from that point on, I just became a fan. And before I joined Last Word on on sports, I pitched the idea of covering Gato Move before because no one was really doing it at that time. There were a few blogs that were doing it around the same time the Joshi Pod podcast had started and that was formed by and large because of Gato Move. And I pitched the idea um, to the, the site manager, and I thought completely that it was going to get shot down. Like, I thought they were going to take a look at it and mm. be like, what, what, what the hell is this? Like, like they, they yeah. wrestled in a small room. Like, they wrestled on a mat. Like, what the hell is this? No, absolutely not. But no, to, to their credit, they were like, yeah, man, go for it. Cover it. See what you can do. Yeah. And uh, that's, and, uh, you know. A few months later, found my way to Last Word on Sports and uh, find myself covering it to this day. So that's that's the uh, the Cliff Notes version of how I got into it. And, you know, I think that story perfectly details how uh, fantastic professional wrestling can be. I have been, you know, a lot of people like to do the AWWWE fight lately. They love to do it. But I'm I'm on the case that, you know, if everyone can find something in professional wrestling that they like. There shouldn't be this, you know, this part of wrestling stinks or this part of wrestling's better. I think if you find what you love, then you can find anything. And this is actually something I would show non wrestling fans before um, like something like a new Japan, because I think it's just so unique and the setting is very cool. Like, when I saw um, Venny fall out the window, I was <laughs> like, "Oh man, this is this is something that I think anyone could just follow." And you know, it's it's incredible, and that's why I appreciate that you cover it because I don't really see many sites cover. It. I think it's slowly beginning to you know become a little more mainstream that sites cover. But I appreciate that you kind of were like, you know, I'm gonna make this my thing. And I think that's the best thing about wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that. That means a lot to me. And I do agree that wrestling, you know, there shouldn't really be that that war, that internet war, I guess you could say. Right. Um, and I think part of it, and I agree with it a lot because I'm, I'm older than you are. I've been watching wrestling since, like, I think 99. I started watching when I was 9 or 10. I'm 32 now, so... That, that, that's a long time to be, to be a fan of anything, whether it's wrestling, um, sports, TV, whatever the case may be. It's a long mm -hmm. time. And when you get older, you start to develop a more, I guess, nuanced perspective of yeah. what wrestling is or what it should be, what it could be. And 
I think that I always consider like got to move slash Chaco pro my happy wrestling because mm -hmm. it doesn't really take a whole lot of mental fortitude to really wrap your mind around and enjoy. It's just something you can just kick back to kick back with. I should say whether you've had a, you know, a, a decent day or a bad day. It's just something that'll bring up your spirits. Yes. Which I think, which oh, makes sorry. more, uh, all the more unfortunate when you watch an episode of Chaka Pro and bring yourself to watch an episode of Monday Night Raw. But again, we're not, we're not, <laughs> I, I don't want to bring down the mood too much. I, See, I, know, I, I have, gonna... <laughs> I have this method on, especially Mondays, where I will watch Raw. I will make sure I watch Raw first. Mm -hmm. And then I will watch, um, usually it's Stardom. Stardom would, I would say, is probably my happy place. Um, I've detailed this before on the show that, you know, I was kind of falling out of wrestling at times last year because Raw just was bad and SmackDown was bad. And, you know, the pandemic shows were not great. Um, no, that's not really a fault to them either. That was just a matter of what a weird setting. Um, yeah. have having no one in the arena, but I I totally agree with like having that happy place as a wrestling fan is fantastic, and I've been a fan since 2007. So WWE's in my blood if I like it or not. But again, it's really good to have that happy place even when uh some certain show is pretty bad. Yeah, I would agree, and that's what made it all the more disheartening to me when i heard that got to move had postponed their events during covid19 obviously i know why they did it but you know it was unfortunate because i did like what they were doing and you you know as well as i do once that pandemic hit um companies either had to shift focus or you know just cease operations entirely mm -hmm. which was the case for a lot of those smaller independent companies you know wwe and aew they've been able to persevere carry on other companies haven't been so lucky. Um, so as far as Gata Move was concerned, I was curious to see what what would happen to them. And then Chaka Pro took place. That took place. The first episode was on March 28th of last year. And this was a very surprising show, not just because of the presentation post, uh, I guess, not really post COVID-19 because we're still in it, um, but the... Uh, <laughs> The, just just the way it was shot, the way it was carried out, and the main event that I think really hooked people on that first episode. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but the main event had Bali and Aki, who I know you're a fan of. Yes. He was he was in the main event. Do you know who he faced? Oh, uh, you told me. Uh, was it Minoru Suzuki? Minoru goddamn Suzuki from Suzuki-gun, this murderous <laughs> legend in Chaco Pro got to move. It's 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 mind blowing, my man. It's I, I've made this comparison before and I think it's very apt. It's almost like taking Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street films and dropping him smack dab into Sesame Street. It's, like, <laughs> it's and it was chaos. That main event was completely off the wall. Because not only was he punishing Aki, just just brutalizing him, but he even got into it with some of the other performers like he was throwing hands with unimon he was like bullying lulu pencil taking suplexes like it, it was wild and i think that set the tone for what the rest of the show um was going to follow with now 
and this is, I guess I'm kind of burying myself a little bit. At first, when I liked the episode of Chaco Pro, loved it, in fact. But I thought to myself, okay, this could be this would be a cool little short-term thing that they do as we figure out a way to get out of COVID. Because at the time, I thought that this can't last any more than a couple of months. Like I see us getting out of this thing by by June, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I don't gamble. Because holy crap, did I call <laughs> that poorly, right? <laughs> Jesus, uh, a little bit. Idea. But, you know, the idea that, you know, a Minoru Suzuki go, steps in there first time and just, you know, goes ham on poor Aki is just a wild image. And I think that, again, is why I'm so interested now in this is because anyone can step inside of that. It's not a style of wrestling that limits anyone. And I think that's important. Yeah, and again, Minoru Suzuki isn't the only big name from, from Japan or around the world that they've been able to get. On the fifth episode of Chaco Pro, Aki was once again in the main event, and he took on another Japanese wrestling legend. And I don't, I don't think I've told you this, but he faced Masato Tanaka, the former ECW World Heavyweight Champion, you know, big star in Japan in his own right. And when I saw this match, my first thought was, wait, Masato, he's still wrestling? Like, <laughs> dude's been taken like i saw the wars he had with mike awesome back in the day and the headshots he took like he's still doing this crap like God, <laughs> God bless man that that is wild <laughs> yeah i uh again and like you said um uh after as of this recording when it's finally released aja kong will have performed in there as well and it's just i think it's a place that um wrestlers are seeing especially legends are seeing and it's like you know that's a that's something i've never done so why don't i give it a try and i think that's really important for them because you know the more you get these names of a suzuki tanaka kong the more eyes will want to watch it yeah and you're seeing a lot of those people like a lot of those guest stars that aren't contracted or got to move regulars show up in chaco pro for a couple of matches like people from ddt that people from you know DDT fans will know, like Antonio Honda and Chris Brooks, mm-hmm. they've shown up multiple times. Um, Trans Am Hiroshi, he's also been there. Um, Hagane Shino, um, who's an independent Japanese star. Benny, we've mentioned. Yes. All people, they've brought their own sort of styles and approaches to, to Chaco Pro, and it's made those shows a lot more exciting because you never know who Emmy's going to get. You never know who she's going to bring in for the big matches. Yeah, and I think it helps to be ran by a legend. I think that takes even more uh, precedent there. Now, I want to ask you this. What are some of your favorite matches from uh, Choco Pro, Choco Pro so far? Oh, man, I ha- I've had a couple of like really good ones off the top of my head and you know discussed them a number of times. I love the, the singles matches that Mesa who's also been in that AEW Women's Tournament and has shown up, um, she and Yuna Mizumori have had multiple singles wars throughout throughout the, the months that they've competed. And to me, I don't think there are any two wrestlers in that promotion that have better chemistry than they do. Like they like they're very much like peanut butter and jelly. You bring them together, you're almost guaranteed you're almost always guaranteed a great match. And I think those are some of the ones to look out for. A personal favorite of mine, however, would be the tag team match between 
uh, Chris Brooks and Yuna Mizumori versus Lulu Pencil and Emi Sakura slash Emi Pencil, collectively known as Pencil Army. This was a big match because in the months prior, Chris Brooks has just been a complete dickhead bully <laughs> to <laughs> dealing her trademark pink baseball cap, just letting her know like, yeah, you're, you're worthless. You're a stupid, weak girl. You're, you know, just, just, just mean. Like, and given how lighthearted Chaco Pro is, like that, that, that takes you back a little bit and you just want to see Lulu give it back to Chris Brooks. But, she she can't because the thing with Lulu Pencil is that she's not physically strong. Like even throwing simple forearms hurts her. You know, she's very much a she's she's the lovable loser, I guess would be the best term to describe her. <laughs> so back to the tag team match. Um the goal that Brooks had when he was going into the match was to make Lulu Pencil say I quit. Because, you know, say whatever you will about her. She's not a quitter. She's somebody who pers per perseveres no matter what. And, you know, and he put her through hell during this match. Like, he's, like, wrenching on her, just, just trying to make her tap or make her say, I quit, and she just doesn't do it. And the match kind of is built around this. So as the match carries on, um, it finally ends with Brooks holding, like, trapping Lulu Pencil in this hole that she just can't get out of. And once again, she's not, she's not giving in. It takes Emmy having to vocally quit for her that ends the match. Wow. And this, like, this to me is one of my personal favorites, just for those reasons and others. And by the end, Lulu had earned Brooks' respect to the point where he finally gives her her, her hat back that he had stolen multiple episodes before. And again, this goes back to the whole storytelling aspect of wrestling that we were talking about. This is a good example of it at work. I was about to say that is storytelling at its finest, but it sounds like you just you explained to me the story of how that match went, and I feel that's only because they told us so well in the match. Uh, I'm big into storytelling, and it, that's one of those matches that I that I loved. And you know, even going back to season one, you can tell like you know as they were sort of get, getting their footing as to what Chaka Pro would eventually become you knew the match quality was going to be good. Yes. And, um, you know, I want to give you a chance to just talk about Lulu pencil before I, you know, continue on here because I know you're a big fan of hers and I don't know where her background is in wrestling besides, uh, Choco pro. So I'd love for you to, uh, give some insight on her. Well, when it comes to Lulu pencils background in, Ch in Choco pro and got to move, that's really where she started. You know, she, before she became a wrestler, she didn't really do anything athletic. She was a freelance writer and that's kind of her gimmick in got to move, but it's, 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 it's for a shoot, man. She is a freelance writer. You know, she's written for places like Yahoo, Japan, IGN, Japan, mostly focusing on video games, but that's generally what she was before she had been taken under Emi Sakura's wing as part of that fourth generation of, of got to move. Uh, rookies um and she had only been in the business officially for a few months kind of building this lovable loser character before she was able to travel to england for pro wrestling eve's uh she won tournament now she didn't compete in that tournament but she had 
a match during that tour against May Saruga with Aki as the guest referee. And man, the people in England loved her. And like they, like she became kind of a cult hero during that time. And I feel like this is where the Pencil Army uh, fandom really began. I mean, you could probably point to a few instances where it really took off, but I feel like this is where it started to get its legs and people started to become really like, like they love her and there's, it's easy to see why. And I think that even people that don't watch Got to Move on the regular know who she is and find some, some enjoyment in what she does because you, you, you look at some of the, the gifs of her and she's trying to, it's just like struggling to do like a simple <laughs> roll up or, or, or she's like trying to like run into somebody, do a clothesline, but she like hits them as if she's hitting a wall. She falls back. Just, just the little things. That, <laughs> it's, it's funny, but she's also very endearing and i think that as she gets as she gets more seasoned because you got to keep in mind that this fourth generation of gato move stars began in 2019 so there's definitely a lot of room for them to grow but the fact that they're as good as they are now despite having the limited experience i think is a testament to not just their work ethic but the tutelage that they've been afforded so she's the perfect lovable underdog that's what i'm hearing yeah, I would say so, because, you know, she has yet to pick up a singles win. And, you know, that's, you know, she's teamed with people, you know, she's gotten moves, uh, wins, I should say, in tag team competition when she's working with other people. But when it comes to one-on-one -on -one competition, she's, you know, she has to rely a lot on her wit and her ingenuity as opposed to physical strength, because she just, she just can't measure up in that respect which leads to a lot of the interesting offense that Ichigaya Chocolate Square affords these wrestlers. Um, but yeah, I think it's only a matter of time until Lulu Pencil gets that first big singles victory. And it's going to be a big moment. I, I, so you just blew me away telling me she still has yet to win a singles match. Cause I, I remember um, when she won her first tag team match, you talked about it, and that was a pretty big deal. So it's only going to be that much better when she wins that first singles. Yeah, I would agree, man. And she's not the only, like, got to move fourth generation rookie that I would pick out as somebody to watch out for in the future. Another name that comes to mind is Tokiko Kirihara, who may surprise you, may surprise people that don't watch got to move on the regular. She started training under Emmy at 45 years old. Wow. Now, if you know, you, you talk about people that have gotten to the business kind of late in life in ring, you know, DDP, Dave Batista, etc. She's got them beat. But the thing is, she has that athletic background, too, because she was also involved in kickboxing and mixed martial arts before she became a wrestler. And now she's she's a regular competitor for Chaco Pro and has become probably the most formidable of the rookies from a physical standpoint. Because, you know, she's tall, she's she's pretty muscular, she's got, she, she implements a lot of that MMA background in her offense, you know, doing judo throws and submissions, like, you know, she is somebody who I feel like has a lot to offer. And she's very inspirational in the sense that, you know, it's, you should never let your age dictate what you're able to do. Like, your age will only limit you so much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, anytime... 
we talk about like the older rookies per se, DDP is the first that comes to mind, but she has them beat. But like you said, having that um, athletic background must have helped her, you know, kind of speed up in terms of getting ready. Mm -hmm. And my next question for you, and I think this, this could be a pretty broad one, but who is someone you'd love to see in the Chaco Pro setting? Uh, you could pick anyone from any company in the world. Ooh, that, that's that's a big one. Any anyone from any company in the entire yep. world. Yep. yep. They you just think they would fit right in. I mean, the fact that Minoru Suzuki stepped in there means I think anyone can. Yeah, I think once you go once you're doing that, I think the gloves are off as far as who you can bring in. Um, I feel like if I'm talking just in terms of Japan, like just just Japanese competition. Yep. I think that Kota Ibushi would be great in there, just because you see how Aki is when he's you know competing in Ichigaya, when whether he's flying off the windows or whatever he's doing, right? Like he he makes the most of his environment, and I feel like Ibushi would be very much the same. Yes, you can see him pulling off like Phoenix splashes from the windowsill, or you know, like doing moonsaults off the off the nearby sink. Like I could see him <laughs> do a lot. Of that. And given the fact that he has that experience in DDT doing a lot of comedic, yes. I have to imagine that wrestling in Chaka Pro wouldn't be terribly uh foreign to him. Mm-hmm. That that's a great choice. Um I guess I'll let you expand outside of Japan now. Okay. Um so as I'm looking outside of Japan and I'm looking more in terms of the United States, North America, I would think that someone like John Moxley would be kind of interesting to see. Like wow, that would in, be something. Bring, bring in the former <laughs> AEW world champion just to just to cause mayhem and see just how much trouble he can get into. Just 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 beating down somebody, whether it's Aki. Not that I want to see Aki get beat down, but <laughs> just, like he's probably listening to this podcast like this son of a bitch. <laughs> no, um, but no, seriously, I think with Moxley, just 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 his his chaotic approach to wrestling, this sort of unpredictability mixed with experience, of course. I think something like that would make for a very interesting episode, or maybe even a couple episodes of Jocko Pro. Who's to say, right? Yeah. Um... Once travel opens, I could actually, I could very much see him like jumping in, especially with the working relationship that AEW has with them. Considering Emmy um, is, I guess she's technically a contracted wrestler with them. I think. Yeah, um, I don't really know how that works. <laughs> the thing is, is that you know, travel for a lot of these AEW stars, especially internationally, it's kind of made things difficult. But I'm hoping once travel restrictions are loosened, once it's you know, safer to travel internationally. I'd like to see her in Daly's place or wherever else AEW events are going to be held because, you know, I, I think that she's kind of found her, like, a really fun character now as this, as this heel Joshi queen that we've been seeing mm-hmm. during the event, being flanked by May and Yuna in their own Freddie Mercury-inspired gear. Yes. It's, it's interesting, and it's very much... A, a character that I can get into and the heel stuff with Emmy and I know we're getting off topic but um, with Emmy the heel stuff isn't just limited to the shows that she does wrestling wise like Got to Move also does live streams uh, from time to time they talk about 
you know, upcoming shows, shows that have passed um, news for upcoming seasons. And I know you and Alex spoke um, on the previous podcast about um, Emmy being announced for the stardom show. Yes. And when they announced, when they talked a little bit about that on the, the Choco Pro live stream, Emmy makes the proclamation, we are stardom. And Emmy and uh, uh, May and Aki are like, no, 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 we're, we're Chaka Pro. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's hysterical. Like, like she's ready to throw, almost like she's ready to throw her, her own under the bus just, just to start them. It's, it's hysterical. I love it. Uh, I, I meant, I wanted to go back real quick to like when I said, uh, who do you love to see in the setting? I th- actually thought of two myself. Mm-hmm. And I want to I want to hear your thoughts. First one, Mayu um, Iwatani I think would f- uh, be phenomenal in that setting, mostly due to the fact that sh- she can be very like um, loving in the ring, if that makes sense. I mean, she teams with uh, Goku uh, Goku Jin Death, and I know she is in um, Choco uh, Pro from time to time. Um, can't remember her the name she goes by there her turn usual yes yeah so i think i think mayu would fit right in mostly because like seeing her scrap in there with um either emmy or may i think she could just have a lot of fun in there and my second one now this this one might be wild but i like i like this i just like the overall fun that uh Chaco Pro brings and when I think of fun in pro wrestling I think of our truth. Ooh, okay man, there's there's a bit to unpack here. Um <laughs> let, let, let's start with with Mayu Iwatani because when it comes to stardom and I don't watch nearly as much stardom as you or Alex do, but when I watch no, it, I'm no one old. watches that much as Alex, but that's fine. You <laughs> <laughs> bury him on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, but um, when it comes to stardom, um, Mayu is my my absolute favorite, and I know that there have been other people that have come along since then, you know, Julia, um, Utami, etc. But when it comes to stardom, man, I, I I adore Mayu Iwatani. I just think that she is their ace, probably the best one they have from an in ring standpoint. So for that reason alone, I totally can see her being in Chalka Pro, and I agree with you. In that she could bring a sense of fun to the to the show. Our truth, man. <laughs> I, you know, man. When it came to stars that I would want to see in Chaco Pro, he didn't immediately spring to mind. But now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> yeah, I I, I, under, I understand what you're talking about because the dude has experience. He's been in the business for it's it's been a minute. You know, you know. I I feel like he's very good at juggling different roles. Whether he's this delusional you know kind of neurotic heel or the fun loving baby face that just so happens to get match types confused right so i totally understand where you're coming from with him i i i would love to see it just to see just how chaotic it could become but you know how wwe is with their contracts you know how they can be so as much as i would love to see more wwe stars take dates outside of that promotion I, I don't know, man. It, it, I, I, feel uh, like, I feel like you'd have a better chance of seeing Vince McMahon step down from his duties because uh, it's it's unfortunate that we don't get to see more of those sort of crossovers. 
Yeah, uh, I only thought of our truth because, first of all, the man can go, and I just wanted to give him that respect, first of all, because I feel like a lot of people forget that he can actually go when given the opportunity. But also, you know, the I think he'd be good as a heel there because his, I, I do love his heel work, um, but his comedy stuff is also great. Um, I could see him have do some fun stuff with whether it be Aki or Emmy like, I just, I don't know why. I just feel like he would click. Too bad WWE is a thing um, when it comes to trying to work with people. Um, maybe someday. I, I hold out a little, like, grasp of hope. If, like, this was out of 100, I hold, like, 1% of hope that maybe someday they'll actually work with people and not be annoying like that. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, I would love to see, and I don't want this to turn into a fuck WWE podcast by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> even though I know you've been pretty vocal on uh, your dislike toward them in certain respects. But, raw, but yes. <laughs> raw. <laughs> oh, but um, I, I would like to see WWE kind of maybe loosen the binds a little bit, maybe yeah. give them a little bit, because I remember before Sasha Banks made her, her most uh, recent return, before she made her big recent return, she took a trip to Japan to train with, you know, uh, Mako Satomura and some other people, and it almost brought to mind like, whoa, like, like, could she could could she work matches in Japan? Like, could she work with these people? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind it, but you know, that's that's pretty much a, a pipe dream at this point. Yeah, sending uh, Sasha Banks to Japan would be a fun time because. She just, I think she fits that style very well. But see, I'm not, I'm not always negative about the WWE. We can go down a positive road if we have to. But right now, this is about Choco Pro. And that's yeah. what matters. So let me ask you one more question about uh, Choco Pro mostly. Who is a wrestler from this crop that you believe can be the biggest star really in the world? Like, who do you think can, um, you know, jump out and become someone incredibly popular? Okay, well, this I guess is a two-part answer because I have two specific names that come to mind. Um, well, I guess I guess three. I guess maybe three would this would be a three-part answer. The first I would say is Aki, and I know mm-hmm. you're a big fan of his, so am I. I think the guy is incredibly talented. He is a he's gifted when it comes to high-flying moves. He's a great striker. He is somebody who could be a very cocky heel, you know, because there have been times when he considered himself the ace of Choco Pro, but he can also be a very valiant babyface, you know, being this sort of Choco Pro representative and liaison for the English speaking viewers, because, you know, he's very fluent in English as well as Japanese and can, and has been able to translate for wrestlers. So that's a very valuable trait, no matter where you are. Um, and, and you can see, Aki doing more outside of Gato Move. Um, he's done some shows for uh, DDT, for example, and you know I think he was in that Chris Brooks uh, produce show. Um, and I watch him on Choco Pro on the regular, and I'm like, I'm having such a fun time watching this guy because he's so good. But it, it, does nobody want to like sign this guy to a deal? Right. <laughs> I, I I would love to see this guy work some matches on Dark, possibly once travel loosens up mm-hmm. because I, I look at some of the people that they have on dark right now and i'm like man th- th- this could be aki 
Aki could do some some fun stuff with with guys like, and I think you've mentioned it before. And um, I, I reached out to you for for help on my upcoming Chalka Probe one year piece, and you mentioned a, a match with Phoenix. And I'm just thinking that's that'd be kind of cool if it if it ever comes to fruition. I could see that yeah. happening. See, I'll pitch most matches with Phoenix, but like his style, I think would mesh very well with Phoenix. Uh, you know. I, I asked you specifically, does he wrestle outside of Gato Move? And you said uh, he did the Chris Brooks show, but he's very much like, you know, pretty much like one of their main ambassadors and one of their main guys. But I think, you know, once, like you said, once travel opens up, you get you get the uh, Gato Move over there for like a few dark matches. Let's see what happens. Yeah, that's. I, I would I hope for the best for him because he's so incredibly talented and has a lot of potential. And speaking of potential, another star that I could see becoming even bigger would be one of the fourth generation rookies that we were talking about before. And I didn't mention her uh, before, but Chie Kuishikawa, who is the girl with endless energy. She is very much a a, a bundle of energy in one person it's almost like she had taken down like 10 cups of cold before she went because <laughs> she's just amped up on a different level she's like hopping up and down she's running around in circles and a lot of that energy comes into play when she's wrestling people because you know she'll like start running around her opponents doing laps and the the opponent she's like what 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 what, what is she doing <laughs> and it's it's so and she's got a lot of of heart too and i feel like she's been i think she she's got a lot to offer especially now considering that last year she had quit her full-time job her shoot job as i like to call it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> she I love put that her, term yeah I, I i i got my got my, my my terms here my insider terms she quit her shoot job to become a full-time wrestler with gato move meaning that we've been seeing her a lot more frequently um on the show and she even changed up her attire. You know, she's got her own unique gear to her. She has, um, she brings a saber, like a fencing saber, um, to when she does her entrance. Because for those who don't know, before she got into wrestling, she she was a fence. She did fencing. That was her her thing before before she became a wrestler. And even though she's still fairly new, she joined um, in 2019. Still has a way to go. You know, she's very good at a lot of the storytelling aspects that we've been talking about. And you always hate to see her lose because as energetic as she is and how amped up and happy she can be, man, when she loses and she starts crying, it's, it's depressing. Like it's, oh. it's I'm like, it's, this is fucking brutal. And, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, no, you can say that. It's all good. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but, but no, um, she, uh, she has so much to offer too. And I think that in, I wouldn't be surprised in a few years time, she ends up becoming like the next big star for, for Gato move and hopefully finds herself doing more outside of that. But when it comes to people that I see being big now, like not years down the line, but right yeah. now it would be Mesa And I think that the first round tournament match that she had with Yuka Sakazaki, that to me, man, that's, that's a big step towards, greater things for her because even before she did this tournament and during her time in Chalka Pro, like she was doing other stuff, you know, right now she's doing uh, work with Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um, 
as the May Saint Michelle or Michelle character alongside Saki-sama. And I see her doing that. And it's like, man, she, you know, they're, they're giving her a lot. Like they're giving this girl so much. And she's somebody who has been in the business for a few years, but even when she started, you know, and I've watched a lot of her early matches back, you can see the potential that she had. And a, a lot of people have called her a prodigy. And I think that's very fitting. I think that somebody like her could be uh, somebody that could be popular outside of Japan. Like, you know how, like, Riho, like, she was an yes. Emmy for a protege. And she became very popular and became very successful once she had wrapped up her training, left Got to Move, um, became the first ever AEW Women's World Champion. I could see uh, May following that same sort of uh process in the sense that she could be the next protege to be the next big star you know like i remember when riho was being a more consistent performer on aew like a lot of her matches and segments they would be very highly rated who's to say that may's couldn't be you know right i think you know once you said may that's who i was that was who was at the top of my mind because i um, i've seen her wrestle um in Chaka Pro, I've seen her wrestle in Tokyo Joshi Pro, and I've seen her in the AEW tournament, and I feel like she only gets better and better. I think that's something key, and she has a fun personality, which, you know, if you mix that in, anyone want to connect with it. And I like the Riho comparison of, you know, maybe when travel isn't non-existent and, you know, it opens up, AEW can have her there because... Let's be serious here. AEW's uh, work with their women's division has been suspect until this tournament. Uh, yeah, I I don't mean to go down a road there, but I think AEW road now. Well, no, I think it has to do also with the travel problems because they uh, they were going to depend a lot on the um, Japanese side of things, and because you know Kenny Omega is really. Um, behind that but I think I think she has everything it takes to be a star um, around the world and I also agree and I know she's not signed to Choco Pro but um, Venny instantly on the top of my mind as well man like when I saw her for the first time in Choco Pro and this was a few seasons ago and she was working with May, ironically. Um, that was my first exposure to to Venny, and I just thought, man, this 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 is a good wrestler. Like I I've never heard of this individual before, and started watching more of their work, not just in you know not just in Gato Move, but locations you know all over Japan because you know they had worked for Seedling, uh, Pro Wrestling Diana, a couple other places as well. So when they were making those announcements for the AEW uh, Women's Tournament um, bra Japan brackets, um, some names surprised me. Like, well, some names didn't really surprise me so much. Like, I expected to see Emmy in there because she had competed in AEW multiple times. Uh, Ryo Mizunami, she had been on Double or Nothing, so it made sense to bring her back. Venny surprised me. I was like, whoa, they they got her. Holy yeah, that was a big this one pretty sick and I, I feel like Venny has been one of the standouts in the tournament 
like just just working with Emmy, having that great match. And to me, that was probably my favorite match of the tournament until Emmy and Sakazaki uh, wrestled. Yeah, uh, I was actually going to, the next thing I was going to bring up was the thoughts on the ADW tournament. So this is perfect. Uh, the Venny Emmy match might still be my favorite. I also really enjoyed the Emmys. Uh, Yuka one, like you said, and the um, Kong Rio one, too. I, th- I thought that was fun as well because um, Kong is just still a master at her craft. Uh, but. You know, this is a good time for me to ask you, um, what's your thoughts on the AEW Women's Tournament? Because, you know, they're borrowing from so many companies, and I think the talent they had in this was brilliant. Yeah, um, I've been a fan of it so far, especially in terms of the uh, the Japan matches. And I know that makes me sound like a complete weeb, but <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, these these Japan matches have been very good. Like even the matches that maybe haven't haven't been up to expectations, I feel have been very well done. Um, it, it's exposed me to a few people that I haven't seen very much of, specifically uh, Rin Katakura from Marvelous. Yes. Um, She's so good. Yeah, I thought she did f- very well against Aja Kong in that first round match. Um, Maki Ito got her big uh, her big spotlight. <laughs> her AEW. Yeah. That was the star-making performance that I think everyone expected. Yeah, absolutely. I watched this match, and I'm just thinking, man, just, just, just wait, just, just wait until she starts getting all these new fans because people that are in the Joshi uh, circle, I guess you can say, they, they kind of know what the deal is when it comes to Maki Ito. Yeah. But I think Twitter has been a blessing because it's exposed her unique presentation, I guess you can say, her. You know, the sort of the the raunchiness of her character, <laughs> inadvertently otherwise, uh, to a to an English speaking audience, and now with AEW, I, I don't I don't think this is the last we've seen of of Ito Chan in AEW. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, I the the Twitter after her match was something to behold, to say the least. It became a. Uh, it, it it was a scary sight at times because people just were like, all right, uh, AW needs to sign her. I was like, that's not how this works. But okay. But she's going to be a star in AW. And I think really all these uh, young talents are going to be stars in AW or around the world. Uh, you know, Kong, Sakura, Ryo, uh, Muzanami, they don't, they're already stars. Like they're already. Legends. They don't need to prove anything, but yeah, uh, Venny, Venny's the standout for me, and May's match with Yuku is great. Uh, I do love this tournament, and I understand. You know, we're recording this on a Saturday. On Sunday night is the big show for. Um, I believe it's three matches on the uh, Bleacher Report. Yeah, I think so. I think they have the two tournament matches as well as that big uh, six-woman tag. Yeah, that tag is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then, of course, the two tournament matches. They are the you know fans complaining, not necessarily complaining, but asking for women's wrestling to be featured more on Dynamite is so understandable because every single week I feel like they have the highest-rated segment now. 
Yeah, I would agree. And it's, it is unfortunate that we don't get to see more of that AEW women's competition on Dynamite because, you know, like you said before, the women's scene, it could use a lot of work, but I do think there is a lot of room for, for a lot of those people to get featured. And it's, it's unfortunate when you don't see that because there is a lot of value to having women's wrestling, especially when it does attract a certain audience. And I would like to see more of it. I, I think that it would add a lot to those shows. And hell, I, I think anything you put on there would be better than uh, Jake Hager versus Brandon Cutler. Sorry. Hate, hate to say. Literally anything. Like, <laughs> it's not even like you could put anything on it, it'd be better than that. But I know Britt Baker and Nyla Rose, whose match I wasn't a massive fan of by any means, but I thought they did what they needed to do to, you know, get Nyla over. That match was the highest rated this week. And um, when Riho came back, that was the highest rated that week. So there's clearly a theme here. And we've seen it on NXT as well, where um, the women's matches can usually be the highest rated on there. So there's something to be said about the growth of women's wrestling still to this day. It continues to grow more and more. And like you said, (laughs) anything's better than Hager versus Cutler. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean to, to go off like an, on an anti-AEW tangent for a little bit, but I, I think it does come from a place of wanting to see more of these women featured, um, especially now, given that we're, we're seeing a lot of these women be featured, um, not just in AEW, but other companies as well. Um, I think that this tournament is just the beginning as far as bringing in Japanese women's wrestlers from other organizations. Yes. I, as as a Gato Move fan myself, I would love to see Emmy come in as a more consistent uh, performer. Maybe having her flanked by her her Chaka Pro crew as they uh, interfere on her behalf, like they did I, with Takazaki. <laughs> right. I think it would be cool to have a like women's type faction. Um, I think. I think it's um, underappreciated in at least uh, the United States, like having women's factions with it's very undersold. Like we don't get many of those. So I could imagine Emmy may and Yuna, you know, coming in and kind of just running rough shot on the AW women's division. Yeah. I could see them being like a really cool kind of heel stable in AEW, just, just causing trouble until somebody, Finally, he's just like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show them what's up. Just, just make them like a really cool, like heel faction. Emmy's queens, right? Like, let's let, let's call them that. Emmy's queens. Perfect. That's a perfect name. That makes all the sense in the world. Uh, eat shit. I'm just and, kidding. <laughs> and we don't, we don't, you know, we're not shitting on AEW necessarily. We're just kind of like hoping it continues to get better because this tournament was a case of that i think they could easily make a case to have three women's matches on the revolution pay-per-view they could do brit and thunder rosa again they could do riho and deeb because that makes sense um of course i don't necessarily know how the tournament goes but and then they could do um the winner of the tournament against Sheeta. like you could have three women's matches right there and i think all those would be must see in most people's eyes I would think so. And I think asking for multiple women's matches on a pay-per-view right now in AEW isn't a terrible request, especially 
not only since you have the main AEW women's title, but you also have the NWA women's title as kind of the the, the secondary women's belts. I, I really don't know what they're planning on doing with that title in the near future, but for the time being, that's being featured on AEW. It stands to reason then that something like that could be up for grabs on one of these shows. Yeah, I it just... It would just be a cool, you know, idea. But hey, uh, the tournament was good enough improvement for me for now. And I have one more question to ask you before I let you go because I've had you on here for what 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 it's got to be almost an hour. Which yeah. thank thank you by the way. Uh, simply, who is your favorite wrestler to watch right now? You don't have to give me one. You can give me like two or three. They don't have to necessarily be Choco Pro. They can be anyone. I just like to uh, see the interest of my guests. Yeah, okay. So my favorite wrestlers to watch right now, um, I would say the first name that comes to mind is Daniel Bryan. I've been a big fan of his for many years. And you know as well as I do, um, over the years, it's not been especially easy to be a Daniel Bryan fan. <laughs> because... <laughs> many highs and lows that he's experienced not just in terms of his booking but you know in terms of his his physical health and i've always been a fan of his work he's a great technical wrestler he he's very adept at working with different styles but he's also incredibly entertaining and funny as we've seen with you know being like the, the neurotic boyfriend of aj lee and teaming with kane and their therapy segments he is a very entertaining superstar, the superstar wrestler, I should say. <laughs> That's WWE <laughs> talk God. right there. <laughs> this, this is what happens, man. When you're watching WWE for as long as I've been watching it, y- y- these terms get, they seep into your mind. and it's Oh, absolutely. When I'm writing articles, I have to like hold back from saying superstar. Or when I want to call like Sasha Banks a real superstar, I understand that like WWE readers might read that as like, oh, that's not a big deal because everyone's a superstar in WWE technically. This is goddamn branding, bro. <laughs> I'm like Chris like a seller on your show. I feel like you're gonna need like like an age rating now. Like, oh don't don't listen to the show, man. <laughs> but, you know, Daniel Bryan, you know, it's such a great choice. A lot of people are starting to finally put him as, you know, in the consideration as one of simply the greatest of all time, if not the greatest in terms of simply in-ring. Like, when it comes to in-ring, it's hard to be better than Daniel Bryan. I would agree, man. He is definitely one of my favorites. And I think if I had to list off a couple others, um, as I'm looking up and down um, the AEW side of things, um, Asuka would be another one. Again, somebody who it's not easy to be an Asuka fan, um, but she is, to me, incredible at just about everything that she's done in WWE and even outside of it. Like before she had become a, a WWE contracted talent, I went back and I watched her, her stuff as Kana and it, it blew my mind. Like, whoa, they, they got somebody that's, that's pretty special here. And she did amazing in NXT, became their 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 ace, their female ace, for lack of a better term. Went to the main roster, became very successful there, won the first Women's Royal Rumble, won a bunch of titles, Has still has great matches with people. 
I just feel like right now she's kind of lost in the shuffle as the mm-hmm. Raw Women's Champion. I think that a lot of the other storylines, like with uh, Charlotte and Rick, it, it's it, it, it yeah, it, it's it's kind of kind of pushed her to the background, and I feel like you don't want to do that, especially to somebody who is holding one of your 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 titles, your world titles. Like you would think they would focus on that. You would, but that's even so, man. I'm a big fan of hers, and to me, she is. You know, if I'm looking at everything that she's done, like in ring work, charisma, um, experience, accolades, like she may very well be the best women's wrestler in that company right now. Like, it's mm-hmm. and th- there's a lot of competition to be sure. I- I'm not saying that because hell, you got Sasha Banks, you got Bailey. There we go. Eo Shirai. So I, was wait- I was waiting on the <laughs> Bailey and Eo Shirai comments. Eo Shirai rising <laughs> well, but and they're all great. I, I would definitely put them up in any sort of competition, but you know, they 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 can all fight for a second because Asuka to me takes the top spot. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, I'll I'll let that I'll let that slide. It's my show, but I'll let that slide. Uh you know, <laughs> it's funny when you bring up EO, she's someone I actually don't want to ever touch the main roster. And that's it's funny because I'm going based off the treatment of Asuka, but the treatment of Asuka is a Grand Slam champion. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I, I do think that her booking has been very hot and cold, for, for lack of a better term. Um, I, I don't want to see the same thing happen to EO. I would like to think that somebody like her should be treated with a little more care. Um. But I definitely understand your trepidation as far as her moving to the main roster because I feel the same way. It's it, you you don't really know what you're going to get once they make that move. Yeah, it's just it's worrisome. But you know, Daniel Bryan, Oscar, great choices. I assume you know. Give me one Choco Pro choice and give me one AEW choice, and I think New Japan choice is Kota, if I'm not mistaken. I, I would say Kota Ibushi. I don't yeah. think that there are very many people that can top him. I mean, I like Shingo Takagi as as like a secondary choice just because I think he's had a very great 2020 as a wrestler. Been digging his work a lot. But it's it's got to be Ibushi as far as New Japan's concerned. When it comes to Chaco Pro, let's we'll start with that. And I know we've talked a lot about people on the show, and I know that I've said that May is going to be like the next like breakout star in the same way that Riho was. But I think as like an all-around wrestler, as an all-around favorite of mine, Yuna Mizumori is probably the best one they have, and she was one of the she was the very first that I really latched onto in Got to Move when I started watching back in 2019, because I just watched her wrestle just these different styles of opponents whether it was you know the newcomer Rinrin, who's tiny you know just got into the business at 14 like Unimon would play the, the 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 big powerhouse or she would work against chris brooks or and be the underdog in that scenario i just i watch her matches and it's just like i don't think she's had a bad match yet like from what i've been seeing and she's very much like a like a cesaro type in the sense that put her up against anybody and she's gonna work with them work with their style and put together something that's 
that that's very enjoyable. And I think that's, you know, to me, one of the most important parts of finding someone to connect with as a fan. Um, if you can enjoy pretty much anything they do, even even if it's not good, I mean, I'm not saying hers isn't good, but like, you know, we talked about Asuka, um, and she's sometimes just not treated right. I think finding a favorite where you just kind of stand by them no matter what is the best. And, you know, I've only seen one Yuna match. I plan to see many more in the future, but um, yeah, she's she's a special talent. Yeah, she's she's great. And I know you said you wanted me to pick out a, a favorite in AEW. Ah, yes. And, and I know that I've said John Moxley before when it came to Chalka Pro, but I wouldn't say he's my absolute favorite, even though he's very, very high up on that list. I would say that my favorite AEW star right now is Pac. I I love that dude. Like he is to me like the like he's like the perfect all-around wrestler yes. in that company because you know he's you he came in as this sort of maniacal heel that you know yeah he's a, he's a short guy but he's jacked the gills he looks like he could kill you if you mm-hmm. want and he's a great wrestler he's very athletic he's doing multiple flips in in sequential order the black <laughs> arrow is is an incredibly breathtaking maneuver if you've ever seen it live you you would you know anyone who's seen that move live will attest to just how incredible that is and how flawlessly he's able to pull it off multiple times um i know right now he's sort of in a face tweener role which is interesting because ever since he had turned heel in wwe as neville we haven't really seen him play the baby face on tv so for me it's interesting to see him now kind of working against the bad guys to a degree um i I just think pack is amazing especially now with his partnership with the lucha brothers ray phoenix and penta two people who i'd also consider in my favorites probably my favorite tag team right now in Mm -hmm. aw i i can't really say that anyone has topped pack in my mind Mm -hmm. it's just it's very difficult for me to put anyone above him. Yeah, uh, for me, it's Phoenix and Pack as well. Um, those two, the and Pent, you could toss Pentagon. The Death Triangle is a fun group. I'm happy they're back together. And you know, the thing about Pack is, like you said, he's the complete wrestler. He can talk. He can perform. He can do everything. And you brought up his run in WWE as Neville. I actually love his King of the Cruiserweight stuff. I know a lot of people are sometimes sour on that mostly just because of the way he was handled. But I, I love that run because I think it set him up for that even more greatness when he left. I would agree. And I do agree that that heel run in WWE helped him out a lot because before then he was very much a white meat baby face. Not that there's anything wrong with that necessarily if it's done well, especially in NXT because Neville was the, the guy in NXT for quite a stretch of time. And, you know, was the NXT champion, came to the main roster, and things eh, things were a little rocky. I know he got that almost near fall on Seth Rollins during their battle oh, match. That, match. That, that's, that was a great match. But after that, things, eh, it, it, it's, it was tough to be a Neville fan for a little bit. And then he went away due to injury, came back, um, clocked Rich Swan, beat up TJP, I think it was. Yes. And, and just from there, 
he, we were off to the races as far as him being this big bad heel of the cruiserweight division. Yeah, it it didn't end like I would have hoped, and you know that's a booking problem that we are not going to talk about because I don't feel like shitting on WWE anymore. But <laughs> I think what he did to raise a title that was pretty dead at the time mm-hmm. was impressive. Um, impressive because he made it feel important. He made it his own, and you know it's hard it's hard to carry around a purple belt that. You know, people don't care about, but he made people care about it. He did, and that was, and that's a tough part because the cruiserweight title in WWE hasn't really been given a lot of attention right now. It's being held by Santos Escobar, and I love that guy, great wrestler. Um, anyone who's watched Lucha Underground, as you know, when he was doing his work under a mask, will agree that he's very good. But I think the issue is that WWE really hasn't prioritize the cruiserweight title as a as a priority i guess for lack of a better term and it's it's almost like why don't we see this title featured more maybe maybe we can get more of these and i guess right now it's been rebranded as the nxt cruiserweight title so it, it is what it is but i'd like to see it defended more often just because i feel like the cruiserweights if given the opportunity could provide something that the heavyweight division um, is not able to do as easily. Yeah, I think that was something that NXT did really well uh, when it first went to USA. Um, they had Leo Rush's champion, Angel Garza. Like, they were doing some great stuff with it. And I'm not saying Santos Escobar is doing anything wrong with it. He's just, I think he's a, this is, might sound wrong, but he's a bigger star than that title. Mm-hmm. And I think they're kind of showing that on television. I mean, he just fought Karrion Cross in like, one of uh, a very hellacious match, and he was the star of the match, it felt like. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of uh, just setting up the right program. But I do, I will say, I think he is the best champion since Neville. Yeah, I, I would, I would agree with you. I think it just helps that he has this, this more defined character alongside Legato del Fantasma. And it's not to say that a cruiserweight title can't be important or can't serve a purpose because it absolutely can. Um, Historically, if you look back at WCW and I'm showing my age a little bit, but bear with me here. Mm -hmm. um, Back during those days, the cruiserweight title, the cruiserweight division was what opened a lot of those big pay-per-views. You know, you would see guys like Rey Mysterio, um, Juventud Guerrero, Ultimo Dragon, um, Eddie Guerrero. You would see all these different, um, cruiserweight, light heavyweight type wrestlers who, you know, they weren't the biggest guys in the world, but they could pull off maneuvers and string together matches that the heavyweight guys like Kevin Nash, uh, Hollywood Hogan, and others couldn't do. And I'd like to see more of that. Maybe focus on opening shows with these fast-paced cruiserweight matches and be like, okay, this is this is the appetizer. He, this is this is what's going to prep you for the rest of the show to come. Even if a lot of those WCW shows didn't have the best heavyweight title matches or best heavyweight matches, mm-hmm. but that that's a, that's a totally different story. <laughs> I, I think, would... I think I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's continue. I, I'd love to see more focus on the cruiserweight title and the cruiserweight division as more of a, of a focus in WWE. Because... Yeah. I, 
uh, once that I just before I let you keep going, I just want to point out there's technically two cruiserweight champions, but we don't talk about the other one. Continue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> by the wayside, we'll leave that. But for now, um, I'd like to see that cruiserweight title open up more of these shows because, like I said, historically those those cruiserweight matches in WCW helped to prep the audience for what was to come. You know, uh, wet their appetites, if you will. They can say they can serve the same purpose here, and I think that was a big mistake when they revamped the cruiserweight division in WWE. Why not have them open the shows? What? Why? Why are we? Why are we placing them like, like smack dab in the middle of, of events? Like let's let's give them the chance to set the pace for what was to come. Right, wake up the audience, pretty much. Like, um, I remember going to a Raw show once upon a time where uh they put neville and akira tozawa in the middle of the show before the cruiserweight title and that's when everyone started getting up because it was an hour into the three hour show or some something like that so like people were looking for somewhere to get up and unfortunately that was that match i didn't get up because i wanted to watch it tozawa ended up winning the cruiserweight title which people probably forget um but I, I agree with you. Having it lead off, whether it be NXT TV or NXT TakeOvers, I think that would be a great spot for them. Yes, I would agree. And, you know, Santos Escobar is very good. And I think that if you start to give him a little bit more focus, and I think the match with Karrion Cross helped to a degree because, you know, Cross is going to be one of their big guys for the future that they're going to build around, hopefully. Um, you know, with the main roster, you never really know one way or the other. But I think that there is a lot of value to that cruiserweight division, and who knows? Who, who knows what's what's going to happen in the uh, in the near future? Yeah. Um. So I brought you on this to talk. Um. Got to move and uh, Choco Pro, and we are finishing up with NXT cruiserweight conversation. So I think we covered a lot of base today. I think we did too, man. Uh, like, like I said before, I know you and I have been talking about doing this for a little bit now. Um, just trying to find time that works for both of us. And right now with uh, Chaka Pro fast approaching its one-year anniversary, I guess we, we picked a pretty good time to do it, no? Yeah, it seemed like the perfect time. Um, I want my listeners to check it out because it's some of the most unique and interesting wrestling you could check out. And especially on the one year anniversary with season six starting yesterday, I feel like there's no better time to join. Yeah, absolutely. And just for those who are um, starting to watch for the first time and I'm going to be a little bit of a shill, but please bear with me here. Um, all of the shows, the Chocolate Pro shows are available on the Got to Move YouTube channel. They are all there for you to watch for free. Um, if you do want to support the company in different ways, there are ways to do it. Um, I'm personally a fan of their of their booth store, uh, gtmv.booth.pm, which is where they sell a lot of merch. You can buy um, you can buy uh, digital photos, like autographed, which is always fun. Have your name on the wall of Ichigaya. They read it out. They give you a little shout out, which is always fun. Um, so for those of you that do want to support it, that's one of the ways to do it. And just, just watch the show. And hopefully by watching or rather listening to this podcast, hopefully it's given you a little bit of an incentive to check it out. If, you know, 
Aja Kung making her got to move debut. That's pretty, pretty sick in its own right. But I think once you start to sample the program, you'll find something interesting here. And I totally understand if this isn't something that people are into. Like maybe you think it's a little too weird. You think, ah, you know, I can't really get over the lack of ring or it's a little too silly. I understand it. I get it. Everyone likes different things. But I, I still encourage you to give it a look because this is definitely one of the more interesting aspects of wrestling. A, a deep cut in a deeper cut inside of a deep cut of wrestling, I guess is the uh, the best way to put it. Yeah, and as someone that, you know, watched it for the first time very recently, I say you have to at least watch more than one match. I think if you try to make the decision based on one match, you can't do that for any sort of wrestling, I think. Unless you watch, like, the greatest match of all time in a certain company, you got to give it at least, you know, two matches to get a grasp of what's going on there. And, you know, there's some great, great wrestling in um that on that brown mat to say the least yeah and i think that's there's a lot of charm to to chaco pro and i hope that people give it a shot and uh grow this audience because i've been seeing a bit of an uptick watching these shows live in terms of viewers like i'm seeing a couple hundred people come in and that numbers keeps growing as the episodes go on so clearly there's an audience being built here it took a while obviously it's, it's a new thing but now you got a bit of a devoted following and i see that following growing and i hope i hope that people enjoy it you know i might have had a little bit of a role in it i'm not saying that I, I was completely instrumental in it writing about it but if i had even a small role in it i i can be very proud of that yes and that's why i had you on here you are I was about to shill your previews on uh, the website, but, you know, I'll let you do that. Yeah, absolutely. So as uh, Scott said before, I am a editor and contributor to Last Word on Sports Pro Wrestling. I'm also one of the uh, co-managers of the site, and it's been a, a fucking wild ride so far. And hopefully we uh, will see more interesting stuff come out of Chaco Pro and got to move and I'll be right there to talk about it write about it um, you can see all of the work that I do on got to move as well as the work that all of our talented contributors do at lastwordonsports.com slash pro wrestling check it out and uh, hopefully you uh, you're able to reach out to me on Twitter if you like the work whether you like the work, maybe you want to reach out to say that I'm a complete hack, whatever the case may be. <laughs> whatever the case may be. Um, reach out to me on Twitter at KHS Notebook on Twitter. Check me out there. Um, so Alex didn't let me say it on when I had him on, but I'm going to say it because you have no idea. He's my boss, guys. Just want to let you know that. He's one of my bosses. Just want to put that out there. Yeah, regular slave driver I am. <laughs> <laughs> But, it, it, you know, I I love to uh, shill for our website because I do think we have uh, some of the most interesting articles. Like, we have all the sorts of wrestling. So I'm not, I'm not going to shill like crazy right now. But we have everything. So definitely uh, check out Last Word on Sports slash Pro Wrestling, please. That, that was a good shill job, man. Very nice. Hey, well, I want to give credit to all the writers because without them, we aren't anything. 
Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, and I could speak for Alex as well as Marilee, who's our other co-manager. I can speak for them when I say that we've, we have a very solid team. We have a solid team that covers all the bases, not just WWE, AEW, Gotham Move, but, you know, companies outside of it, like Stardom, which Alex is super into, obviously, um, Tokyo Joshi Pro, um, you know, MLW, Ring of Honor. We, we cover we cover the gamut, man. And that's, you know, I think that's our strength as a site. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, I think... All right, I'm going to show for a second. Uh, we cover everything. That's that's what, you know, brought me there, even though, you know, I came in to cover WWE. Um, it, it's just everyone likes a different kind of wrestling, and I think that's, again, what makes the site a family. So if you are either interested in writing or just like wrestling, that is the site to follow. Yes, absolutely. And we're very responsive on Twitter. If you ever want to reach out to the Last Word on Pro Wrestling Twitter, drop us a reply. You know, if we ever share an article, let us know what you think. And uh, we'll be more than happy to talk wrestling with you. Yes. So, Robbie, speaking of talking wrestling, thank you for coming on here to talk wrestling with me. I hope I was a uh, gracious host to you in uh, your first appearance on the show. First of many. Oh, Scotty, you've been an absolute gentleman, my man. Thank you so very much for having me. Um, it's been great talking got to move as well as wrestling outside of it with you. And yes, I have a feeling this this won't be the last time we talk. No, um, I you know, I talked when Alex was leaving the show last time, I made it clear that he will also he's coming on for the Hanakamura special, and I hope you will be too. Yeah, absolutely. Um I'd like to share my thoughts on that as well. So yeah, I'm I'm shilling that show as much as I can strictly because I want as many people to share their thoughts. Um, so un- until then, or before, because that's in May, so you never know what happens. But until then, Robbie, thank you. Thank you very much, Scotty. Appreciate it.